Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Combat Veteran Breakdown. I am your host, Paul, and today I, as you probably know, uh, made a little bit of a clickbait title. Maybe I'm doing a little bit of trolling, but the best trolling is always based on something you sincerely believe, just framed in a way that gets people riled up. Do I think America needs a draft? No, no, sorry. But what I think America does actually need or would benefit from, and I know, will never do, but is in fact a mandatory national service. And I would go so far as to say lots of countries in the developed world have mandatory national service and guess what? They do just fine. In fact, countries like Germany up until I think the 80s had mandatory national service. Uh, Israel has mandatory national service. Uh, Switzerland, I believe Sweden also has mandatory national service. A, South Korea has a robust mandatory national service. I think it's like three years or something. But the point uh, I'm trying to make is this isn't actually the bananas idea that you think it is. Now, why do I think that America, who has a robust army and a robust uh, Department of Defense, could stand to use a little bit of national uh, service requirements? Well, first off, I don't think that everyone should have to put on a uniform and serve in the military. Uh, that's The military is not for some people, and a, a society... A functioning society is a rich tapestry with a lot of different people in it, and some of those people just aren't conducive to military service. Some of them are uh, do not have the character or fortitude for it. Some people have conditions that would totally preclude them from it. Some people are just personality-wise just woefully unsuited. But what I do think the country needs is a national service requirement, a requirement that you must spend some period of time, six months or a year, in the service of your country. So I'm going to lay out the case for it, and you guys can roast me in the comments. First off, obviously, the number one thing, not the number one thing, I think they're all equally important. But my vision would be that national service happens either when you turn 18 or the year after you graduate uh, college, right? And that that year, you would obviously, like the military, right, have to show up. You'd be paid. You'd receive benefits. Uh, they could, for example, put you basically on, like, have an exception that says, okay, you get Medicaid, right, while you're working in, in this national service capacity, and you're paid like a U.S. Army private, and you get maybe a meal stipend and, and assigned housing, right? The same way the military works it all out. But what I would also say is that it gives the participants uh, a, a chance to be exposed to how the world works. And now the military did not teach me how the world works entirely, but it did show me a lot of things. How does how do we solve a problem on a military size level? That's actually a good question that if you're a cog in that machine, you have no choice but to wrestle with. You can watch the military say, hey, we want to have a new uniform requirement. And you watch as, hey, you realize the constraints and struggles that that entails. You say, wow, you can't just impose the requirement because when you go to the PX, it's all sold out. And you say, okay, well, maybe you need to phase it in. And you phase it in, and you still realize that there's some people who forgot about it. And, you know, or 
anything else the military does. You want to drive a convoy from one base to another. You realize that it takes planning and fuel. It takes a whole team working together. You have to work backwards from the problem. And I think even if you're like at the private level, you still have to see those things in the military. You still have to see how big organizations move and navigate the world. And the truth is, if you don't understand that in today's day and age, if you don't understand how a major hierarchical corporation or a government or a military or even things like your state and county, if you can't think about how they might work, then you aren't informed enough as a citizen to be a good voter. I mean, how often do you see some idiot on Twitter whose only qualification is living off a pension fund and tweeting and occasionally writing a hot take uh, weigh in on what they think would be the way to run the country. And it's like this dude or woman, this person probably isn't even qualified to run their own life, let alone a country. So just exposing everyone to a baseline level of, of hey, this is how things get done in the real world. And that's why I think it shouldn't necessarily be a national a military service, right? How fascinating would it be to just be like, hey, in this rural part of the country, you guys are going to help create 10 miles of paved road. You're going to be a paving crew. And just to watch and say, okay, what does it take just to pave a road, you know? And you, you might encounter like, oh, how much does this cost? How much does it take? What, hap what sort of things delay the operation? Oh, waiting for parts on the machine, waiting for the asphalt delivery. You just realize that, that what feel like really simple solutions if you live inside a bubble can actually be really complicated. And you only really learn that, I think, if you get out and you watch sort of the chaos happen. And so I think a mandatory national service will definitely help people do that. The other more classic case for it is, of course, national identity. And I actually think this is a pretty tremendous problem. A lot of people talk about the polarization in the United States, and I think that's a real, a, 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 it actually a extremely serious problem because if we can't solve that, then we can't tackle the other problems, right? And the thing that's happening in polarization that I think worries me more than anything else is that on the edges, people are getting pushed off this cliff where they, on either end, say that they either hate America, they hate the country they live in, they feel like they're not part of it. And this is true on both sides. There's no one side that has a uh, monopoly on loving their country, on patriotism. You know, you can look at people on the far left who are like, America's a racist country, America with a K, bro. You know, and people on the right who are just like corrupt election stealing, not my president. You're just like, dude, you, you, this isn't this isn't your this isn't how this works. This is your country, and like, if you hate it so much, like you can leave, and you should. But a lot of people, I think, emotionally, right? My, I'm a believer that you have to emotionally in, internalize something before it becomes like a rationalized ideology. Does that make sense? It's like you're never going to come to a significant conclusion unless emotionally the groundwork has already been laid. And for most people, because they only, in, they only encounter their country in the larger sense, right? Their government, 
and the larger population that lives in it, uh, they only encounter them in basically bad situations, right? When it's either like a tremendous crowd, some sort of crisis, or when they get pulled over by a cop or when they have to wait at the DMV, or of course, when they pay their taxes, all of which just make you go, man, this country doesn't do jack. And I understand that 